Judge not, lest ye be judged. As familiar as these words of Jesus are, what did he really mean by them? And how do we take them to heart? What's the relationship between judgment and mercy? How do we practice mercy without being soft on sin? We'll unpack it all coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley. Pleased you have joined us today for the hour of he- ahead. And, in, you know, in our day and age, yeah, Christians are often labeled as being judgmental towards others. And in some cases, probably rightly so. I'll admit being judgmental pops up regularly in my visits to the confessional. At the same time, though, the psalmist cries out, Teach me good judgment and knowledge. And in John chapter 7, Jesus himself tells the crowd gathered around him, Stop judging by appearances, but judge justly. But Jesus also teaches us that the merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. What's the right way to avoid judgmentalism, to judge justly, and to show mercy? That's what we're focusing on here today on The Inner Life. So let's say hello to our spiritual director for the hour, Father Sam Martin. Father Martin is the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Inner Life, Father Martin. Good to be speaking with you again. Yeah, Patrick, it's always good to be with somebody from uh, my neck of the woods and all of our listeners all over this uh, wonderful experiment we call the United States of America. And uh, <laughs> talk about these things, judgment, mercy, uh, how, what does God ask of us? especially now as we approach these holiest days so uh, quickly coming upon us. Well, no time like the present, the old carpe diem. Let's uh, get holy or die trying, right, or something. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Father Martin. It's it's a wonderful to be with you as well. Um, well, I, I, let's kick things off maybe with the gospel for today. I mean, it's this it's this great passage. Uh, our gospel passage from Mass, Mass for today is John chapter 8, and uh, specifically the... A woman caught in adultery that's brought before Jesus. Maybe, maybe if uh, I'm not asking too much here, Father, can you kind of uh, give us a little bit of what you talked about there, specifically when it comes to judgment? Well, I had mass with my brother, sister-in-law, and their eight kids, and they range from about three years old to 18, so it wasn't a typical parish uh, sort of experience, but we gave them a little uh, talk about blindness, uh, spiritual blindness, which all of us have because of original sin. The only exception was the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it's not if we're blind, but just where, and that's the part of our life, discovering that. So, uh, you know, there's a typology, of course, of the reading, Suzanne in the Old Testament, and these guys, uh, the problem with sin is if we keep it away from God, then the devil hides in it, and he gets us pretty soon, we rationalize it, and then if we let it, you know, kind of germinate. It brings forth fruit like malice and corruption, and pretty soon we, uh, we misery likes company, so we want to pull other people into it, and we change the rules. But um, the moral law can never be changed. This is established by God. He's immutable because he's perfect, so why would he change? And if he gives a law, then that's for our freedom. So anyway, I guess the idea of, um, you know, this woman caught in adultery is that, uh, you know, we, we think that we see and we don't. And uh, then we, you know, kind of usurp a responsibility and a power that belongs to God, namely that of judgment. It's funny how people read these things, uh, Patrick. I mean, there's a thing called exegesis where it's like trying to figure out what's in the passage. And then there's the isogesis. Like, I'm going to tell this passage what it means for me. And this, of Mm -hmm. course, 
is the uh, the dictatorship of relativism is what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth called it, and there's a lot of that today. I, whenever you you know maybe establish a moral uh, paradigm or a, a goal of sorts, and you t- call people that this is what uh, the Lord has asked of us. Well, if we're not living that way, if we're living sinfully, then we all—I mean, this is a passage people use all the time. Well, see, Jesus said, I mean, he—he he didn't condemn her. Well, no, right. he forgave her, right? But he, forgiveness implies there was something that needed to be forgiven, something that needed to be reconciled with the divine will, and then go and sin no more, right? So, uh, people that they just—it's funny how you know, not funny at all. I suppose it's—it's it's tragic how. We hear what we want to hear, and this is St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, a thing is received according to the mode of the receiver. So the goal is conversion. So then you read this thing, like, it's the same passage year after year, but I hope, you know, we've changed and we're not in the same place. That spiritually we're moving toward eternity and not away from God's uh, divine will for us. Mm-hmm. True enough, true enough. You mentioned uh, the late Pope Emeritus, uh, Pope Benedict, and and he also wrote, especially in regard to this particular passage, that Jesus absolved the woman of her sin and yet ushers her into a new life oriented to do good or oriented to the good, right? And, And that's one of the things that, I mean, that's all the way through. Scripture is saturated from uh, Genesis to Revelation, is saturated with this understanding of sin. And that's one of the things that uh, it's probably important to lay down at the beginning here, that when Jesus is inviting us or commanding us not to judge, it doesn't mean that we turned a blind eye to sin. Right, Father? Well, we can't. If we love people, that means we want what's best for them. So if we see somebody pouring themselves a cup of poison and say, well, it's your life, do what you want, you know, and, uh, you know, here's to you, and raise a toast to somebody that's hurting themselves, then it's a delicate balance. Like, how do I help someone that I care about? And this is not so easy for us. This, you know, whatever judgment is, it comes from a heart that is constricted. So discernment is really what God wants, is that why don't you come to me and let me help you, let me... Uh, love these people through you, and, and then he'll give us the right words at the right time. And typically, I mean, it, there are times where I want to give a, a stern speech to somebody, and I say my prayers diligently, and I come off as a, a soft puppy because it's like I really wanted to challenge this person, but the Lord must have known they're not ready for that. The smoldering wick don't quench and the uh, the bruise reed that you don't break. So, uh, And other times where Sometimes we want to be soft because these are my friends. Or the, there's something in it for me. These people have stuff that I want. So when you know I should be stern, then I'm currying favor. So really, it's um, the heart that is configured to Christ is going to speak the words that He wants us to speak. I mean, Jesus said there'd be times where you know you're not going to know what to say, difficult circumstances, or you'd be put on trial. But don't worry, the Holy Spirit will give you at that time what you are to say. And the problem is we just don't let Him. No, I got it. I, I got this one figured out. I am smarter than you because I've been doing this a long time. Oh, Lord. I mean, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us, but we never let him. I mean, we just like, you know, it falls on deaf ears. We're busy with our own project. And this happens from, you know, the littlest person in the church to the biggest person. And to God, we're all the same. We're all his children. But uh, this is uh, a judgment of just to me. Uh, it indicates that, you know, we haven't prayed enough. We're not close enough to the Lord. And when mm-hmm. we snap at somebody or something, yeah, there's room for improvement. Well, no shock, I suppose. I mean, we're not saints. But maybe that's to spur us on to say, you know, I need to pray more so I can, uh, you know, be an instrument of God's truth, justice, 
mercy, uh, and things that bring peace. Amen to that. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life is Father Sam Martin, pastor of the Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Are, do you consider yourself a judgmental person? Are there times that you have struggled with being judgmental? And how have you found peace or healing in that? How have you seen, maybe even it's even the judgment of others that have, has affected you? And how has that affected your own idea of judgment towards others? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, maybe we should start just with the uh, with the whole term of judgment here. I mean, it does say, if you look throughout the scriptures, you do see that uh, it's really, it's ultimately reserved to God, of course. Um, so it is a divine attribute. So what are we talking about when, when we're talking about judgment, when we see judgment in the scriptures? Well, there are many places where the Lord makes it clear that not as you see, as man sees, does God see. So maybe it was a week ago... It was connected with the man born blind, so he's sure it was a week ago Sunday that uh, the first reading was, you know, Samuel sent on out to, you know, choose a king, and there are all these boys, and he thinks it's got to be this one. But the Lord, you know, kind of, uh, uh, not a reprimand, but certainly corrects him and says, no, 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 you see as man sees, but God, he sees the heart. So uh, judgment, in a way, is, is seeing what God alone can see. Now, we have to make judgments so that it's... I suppose it's analogous to using the word love, right? They, uh, the Greeks have four different words for love, and we just have one. And it, uh, We use it about pizza and puppies, and once in a while I hope about God and about the, the people of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, you know, there's a, a much deeper meaning sometimes, and so judgment can mean just making a choice, and that's um, something that we have to do every day. You know, uh, do I lay here for a few more minutes or time to get up, kneel by the bed, say my first prayer, and get going, because I have things to do. Just, you know, the choices that eventually kind of affect who we become, and those choices are according to God's will. We call them virtues, and if they're opposed to God's will, we call them vices. So, I mean, judgment, the Lord wants us to understand His ways are not our ways. He sees differently than we see, but He does call us to Himself, and He wants to, to train our hearts so we can begin uh, to love as he loves. And this is, you know, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. So this mm-hmm. is a mandate. And this is given, of course, uh, a Holy Thursday, the Last Supper. And this is something now that this uh, attention to service. But Mother Teresa was wise, you know, because we jump into the service. Well, I guess we just have to love each other. And that can only happen if it's informed by God. So that was the end of this whole spiritual equation, Mother Teresa. You know, that prayer is a fruit of silence. Faith is the fruit of prayer. Love is the fruit of faith. Service is the fruit of love. And peace is the fruit of service. So service is like the penultimate thing. It comes at the end of all these. If you're not in silence, you won't pray. And if you don't pray, how are you really going to believe and understand and and seek to understand according to God's ways, not ours? Then you can love. And out of that love is a desire. You know, Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And you'll see, I mean, in the church, we're famous for this, is that all of a sudden we realize that service is a good thing. But without that divine, you know, uh, the, that vertical dimension, if we're not going to Mass, we're not receiving the uh, Holy Communion, Jesus in the Eucharist or in the confessional, uh, pretty soon it's it's us serving. And uh, that's a dangerous thing because we have a fallen ego and we start patting ourselves on the back and say, God, you are a lucky God because you got me. And I just, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to be humble when I look at myself. Well, I mean, these are obviously, uh, we're being a little bit facetious, but 
then when we start to serve without the Lord, we come into the church and we tell him, you know, I've done all these things for you. What have you done for me lately? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's spiritually not a, a happy place to be. And we, we need to look at the crucifix and remember that faith begins in the recognition of his gift to us. It's all a gift. Everything yeah. of our life and even our, our poverty uh, given over to God helps us to become, you know, to start to see as he sees. And that is the work of a lifetime for most of us. So judgment uh, is a divine action when it comes to reading souls, uh, assigning eternal you know, uh, punishment, which is not so much what God does to us. He responds and respects our choices. So, um, but in terms of like daily judgments, I just think that sometimes the word discernment is helpful, uh, trying to, to figure out what God wants for me, what he wants for others. And uh, that'll protect us that I'm not judging anybody by, you know, I'm supposed to say a kind word here or I need to give a, a kind of a, a rebuke of sorts. But sure. you know, in charity, so uh, that's not playing God. It's uh, as a matter of fact, this is our duty is uh, to love our neighbor as ourself. And uh, these are things that you probably anyone that's listening who's married gets lots of practice. You know, how do I love my spouse? <laughs> You know, in a way that helps them. Right. I mean, I can't always say that you're doing a great job about everything. How do we love our children? You know, you, you can't pick every, you know, battle and you make the poor kid neurotic because every little thing that he or she does is wrong. I mean, it's, it's kind of finding that balance that how do I, you know, in the Lord, perfect, uh, you know, symmetry between his justice and his mercy. And we right. will never achieve that uh, this side of eternity, but um, at least someone has, and that's the God who created us. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the relationship between judgment and mercy. That's something that we definitely want to get into. Again, our spiritual director today, Father Sam Martin from the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And uh, Father, you are, I mean, when you bring that up, you mentioned uh, the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and maybe maybe that's a place to begin, too, as we're seeking to be both just, judging justly and being merciful, is understanding God's relationship to us and being, well, to go back to uh, Pope Benedict, another thing that he wrote, he said, let us learn to be intransigent with sin, starting with our own, and indulgent with people. So maybe let's start to unpack that a little bit. When we look at ourselves, um, I, I don't think we want to be too soft, but we also don't want to be too hard. It's a great insight, and I've been thinking about this for a long time, Patrick, and I don't know, uh, none of us, uh, you know, in terms of our own personal life and then those of us entrusted with some degree of uh, service to God's people, uh, there's a, you know, every priest has a kind of a, a theme for his homilies, probably through his lifetime, and one priest said that, when he thought about it, he said his theme was, uh, stop doing that. And, you know, that he just found himself kind of always uh, admonishing the sinner, scolding. And uh, I think that that's our tendency, is that we're just going to root out sin. And others, hopefully we're also, you know, looking at our own heart. But um, I don't do that a lot, and I feel sometimes that I, maybe I'm soft. Maybe I'm not pushing people enough. But then I look at the, the scope of maybe the way I preach. I don't know. I mean, I hope that it all comes from the Lord. I hope, you know, the goal is just to be docile to the Jesus, I hope that by the end of my life that I just did what you asked of me. I don't know. I mean, I, I, none of us will have a, a clear sense of, you know, that complete peace that I just always did with, no, but we try. We, that's our hope. Our aspiration is that, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in me too. And, um, but, you know, that uh, I, I wonder if my 
preaching is toward conversion. I mean, if I if I talk mm-hmm. about contraception or uh, same-sex marriage or uh, in vitro for I mean any of these kind of controversial things, especially around the sixth commandment, which is always sensitive area. Uh, yeah, that that's going to certainly you know shock some people, startle some people, and but maybe the better thing is get them close to Jesus, and then they're not going to want to contracept, and they're going to realize that these things are uh, against you know what the Lord might have something else for me, and I've said no to Him in a way that I guess I don't trust Him as much as I thought. So I don't know. I mean, which way is better? You know, preach the kind of the the staunch moral code, this law is written on your heart, or preach, get to know the Lord, and then you'll get to know the lawgiver, and then the, you know, the law will make sense. I, uh, you know, so I think St. John Vianney was uh, you know, arguably the greatest priest that ever lived, and after uh, all those confessions, uh, they asked, well, what kind of penance do you give? He said, I give him a light penance, and then I do the rest myself. Oh. oh. So this is yeah. the person that was much harder on himself, not in a you know, a self-loathing way or a you know, punitive way, but like, I will do this uh, for you. And this seems to be the way of our Lord always, that uh, he carried the heaviest cross by far, but he lets us have our part. Just yesterday, a little boy asked me about the, the water and the wine before the consecration, and the old tradition was three little drops of water for the Trinity, and why the water, why the wine? Well, the wine represents Jesus, and that's obviously the the biggest portion in the chalice is him but he, the water is like he did everything that he needed to do but he left us a part to play and unless we follow them the lord's will unless we well he has a, a vocation a calling a mission for us and if we don't embrace it we're just going to be sad but he yeah. knew that in his wisdom that there's a part two for you so pope benedict is trying to get this like you know i'm harder on myself than i am on others I mm-hmm. don't think that's a one-size-fits-all. I think there have to be fiery preachers, and um, I think each person has to listen to what does God want me to say and how does he want me to say it. And uh, this is, uh, I always say it's a pretty simple solution, Patrick, just enough time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and uh, pretty soon, you know, he starts to come out, not just out of our mouth, but out of our heart and our actions, the things that we don't say, uh, the way that we respond, or maintain silence. This is what Mother Teresa thought, and it uh, seemed to work for her, so I think it's not a bad uh, equation. All right. Very good. Well, uh, our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, from the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, when was a time when you received an admonition from someone you and, and you received it well? Was there a time when somebody else called you out on something that you were wrestling with, that you were struggling with, and that uh, it was actually what you needed to go beyond? Or when was a time when you were shown mercy, when you thought you deserved harsh judgment, but uh, someone showed you mercy. What kind of an effect did that have on your life? Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break here on The Inner Life, but we'll be back with more right after this. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash forester.
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley, your host, and we are talking today with Father Sam Martin, a pastor, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, about judgment and mercy. How do we practice judgment in a God-focused way rather than in a human-focused way? And how do we both be uh, judge justly and practice mercy? And Father, it seems like uh, before the break there, a lot of the things that you were pointing us to was really seeking to see others as Jesus sees them, to love others as Jesus loves them, which is his commandment All right, at the Last Supper, love one another as I have loved you. Um, so I'm looking at that, and I'm on the one hand, I'm seeing the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, our mass reading for today. But then on the other hand, um, there seem to be some times where Jesus was kind of harsh, especially I'm thinking the scribes and the Pharisees, that he was um, he had some pretty straightforward uh, words to say to them. Any tips then on uh, on you know how do we follow after him well in this? Well, he uh, the Lord doesn't like it uh, rightfully when we keep him at arm's length. I mean, the whole point of conversion is you know in our own heart that's where the reform begins. And uh, but if we are going to use religion as a way to, you know, uh, extend our own uh, power and then keep other people underneath us, which is a kind of an occupational hazard, I suppose. And this is where, uh, you know, secular people can criticize religious people, maybe rightfully, that they feel, you know, that you treat us as if, you know, that we're the riffraff because we don't come to church or, you know, we feel like we're judged. And I think that's just a feeling in many cases, but it's something that all of us do well to search our own hearts. Um, I was talking to the first grade kids one time, and they uh, were asking about confession, and this little girl, she was trying to get straight, like, so she said, well, so I come in, and then I tell you my sins? Uh-huh. Then do you tell me your sins? Uh, nice. No, that's not exactly how it goes, but, <laughs> but, I mean, of course, the insight is something that, if I'm going to be vulnerable to you, wouldn't that be reciprocated? And this is yeah. what Jesus wants, is that, you know, you can't be a healing presence unless you let me into your heart. And this is where, you know, divine intimacy, into me see. God, I'm not going to hide anything. And this is where, like the first reading today, with these guys are hiding what they're doing to this woman. They, they, you know, they've trumped up this charge about, you know, she's having this affair on the side. And, uh, and this is where, you know, in the depths of the darkness is where we're going to really be tied into knots. And so the beginning of, of being a true... Uh, healer, a true disciple, is to let God into our own brokenness. And this is really hard. I remember hearing a priest kind of in front of us one time. We were having a retreat, and he said he didn't anticipate, he didn't, wasn't premeditated, but he just kind of shared some of the brokenness of his life. And I remember in my own heart, it's like, you know, whatever holiness is, it's, it's not on the surface. It's not a facade. You don't have to pretend. You just let God into your, your brokenness, into your shame, into the things that you're trying to fix, and you can't. I just need to, you know, manage this. Well, the spiritual life is not managed. It's received as a gift and then lived as a gift. But, you know, the Pharisees, scribes, and those are, you know, Jesus is talking about us. It's not them. I mean, it's, these are people in the church. These are occupational hazards that we do well to acknowledge that you might all of a sudden have yourself in a little system that always puts you in the good light and always, you know, is that is a danger. It's a uh, near occasion of sin, because then, well, look at me. Thank God I'm not like that tax collector. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, that's the person that we are. And we, um, the Lord is, is a, a very wise, uh, good God. And uh, he always knows 
the right words at the right time. So, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. So he's uh, especially solicitous for those who are broken by sin and the despair that comes with it and shame and guilt. And he's uh, direct, sometimes bluntly so, with those that are self-righteous, that he has to shake them up a little bit. And uh, the sad thing is that some of us excuse ourselves, like, that could never be me. Oh, <laughs> never say never, right? I mean, it's uh, right. it, these are the things that, um, you know, the Church helps us to have true compunction, a real humble, contrite heart. And that's the beginning of uh, true discipleship. Sounds to me like pride and humility can play a huge role here as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, whatever pride is, I it always comes up, and rightfully so, but I, there's a lot of fear, you know, that if I let him in, will he really love me? I mean, could he love me if he knew how I really am? Would anybody? And so these, these fears get lived out in ways that come out as control, and, uh, and, you know, religion can be built into a system that, you know, puts me in a good light and i just do all these things but if the heart hasn't been broken and oscar wilde he said when he was in prison having left his wife for another man and everything else he said that uh how else but a broken heart could lord christ enter in i mean unless the cracks that finally which were always there because of original sin they're in me and in every human being on this planet we don't have to be afraid of those and once we let god into those she loves much because she's been forgiven much. Now, there are other paths to holiness. You don't have to sin and, and all of a sudden realize the brokenness, the poverty of it. But uh, that's for many of us, uh, maybe most of us, yeah. kind of come to our senses. And uh, like St. Francis of Assisi, you know, Lord, I'm not asking you to change the world or even to change others. Change me. Mm. Make me an instrument of your peace. And out of that trust, out of that humility and contrition, uh, came one of the great followers of Jesus in the history of our human race. Right, right. God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us, right? So we're speaking today about judgment and mercy towards ourselves, but also towards others, how we avoid being judgmental, but uh, at the same time, we exercise good judgment, right judgment, and that we also show mercy. If you have a, a time when you received an admonition from someone else, a little correction from somebody who's a, perhaps a loved one, a family member, a friend, and you received it well and it made a difference in your life, love to hear your story, 888-914-9149. Or perhaps there was a time when you were shown mercy and that made a big difference in your own life and you'd like to share that, please do, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, uh, is there? I wonder when when we are judgmental towards others, what are some of the things that that will do to us? I mean, how how does that? What are the negative spiritual effects? I guess of being judgmental. Well, it typically will uh, bring a certain amount of uh, anger. It introduces things that you know that rob us of any kind of peace on a deeper level, and uh, you know, pretty soon. It puts us in a position of, uh, you know, some sort of a power that we uh, that can be a corrupting influence, and we like the idea that uh, the superiority that at least we're not like that at least, you know, and um, and so it misses out all the opportunities of really growing in holiness. I mean, it uh, it distracts us with things that, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, we're we're all going to be dead soon, and you're going to be focused on that. You're going to miss, I mean, you're not going to get many more opportunities. Why would you obsess about something that you can't control or something that's not true anyway? So 
I always think it's kind of like, you know, the Grinch, your heart gets smaller, becomes more narrow, and, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of eaten up by a lack of forgiveness. I mean, what if a person is, you know, genuinely in error and so forth? And uh, I just think of, you know, some of the ways of people in our world have handled these things. Uh, you know, Pope Benedict, he just passed away in January, and this longtime foe, uh, Hans Kung, and how many times, you know, that he had to correct him, but he seemed always to kind of maintain that charity. Hmm. Kung didn't. I mean, he would say all these crazy things about first Ratzinger and then as the Holy Father. And But, um, you know, I think Pope Benedict tried to show the example that, uh, you know, that I, I'm not judging you. I, I have a job to hold you to the standard of the gospel. I do that out of love, and the truth will set you free. And if you don't want to know it, I can't, uh, you know, but he was willing to suffer for the truth, uh, Pope Benedict was. And so if if we judge, then, you know, all of a sudden we miss all those much more beautiful things that are worthy of our attention, that there is a truth, there's beauty, goodness, uh, and someday we hope, please God, unity uh, that comes from living those things. But, uh, and I think that also, I mean, it, we spend a lot of time then, if, if we are praying, we're just justifying, uh, you know, and we're not listening. And we're doing all the thinking and all that, you're telling God how it is. And there's no real receptivity and uh, so we're not really being docile. But if you look at the Blessed Virgin Mary, she's the role model for the whole Christian life. And uh, anybody had a right to judge, it would have been her. I mean, she watches these things, and she knows her son is innocent. She's innocent. And she watches all this stuff, the kangaroo court that they, you know, they trump up these charges, but he's, you know, uh, committed blasphemy, and nobody wants to stand up for him. And uh, somebody was saying yesterday, it was very beautiful, he said during the Stations of the Cross, he was just... Um, admiring the role that women have played. You know, so many times in our history, they just kind of push to the sideline. But, I mean, who was more faithful to the Lord on his way? And, I mean, the only man really was Simon of Cyrene. It wasn't that he chose it. I mean, he was conscripted right. by the Romans. And John, St. John, is there. But maybe if, if the Blessed Mother hadn't been, maybe he wouldn't have been. We just don't know these things. But um, not to, to get off in the weeds here too far, but it was a nice insight to say that... Uh, you know, many times it's the little people that God uh, cho- chooses for the biggest part to play, you know, on his, um, the stage of his theodrama, working out uh, many things. So I don't know if I've uh, touched on anything, really, in that long, uh, wandering response, Patrick. But, uh, <laughs> but judging, you know, if, if it's according, I mean, if we let the Lord into our heart, we let him into our brokenness, we let him love us where we hurt, we'll be a lot, much less inclined to pounce on other people where they hurt. Yeah. We'll see that that's holy ground. We should pray for them. I don't know why they do that. I mean, we had a guy wander in the Mass yesterday, and I could tell he was off. This is before Mass began, so I went over to just kind of assess the situation in case he was dangerous or anything like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes if, and I had just been praying, and I thought, well, in retrospect, I handled it about as well as a person could. Now, on another day, if I hadn't been praying, uh, you know, you your desire is to grab the guy by the nap of the neck, and we're going outside. We're going to stand up by the dumpster. I'm going to you know, handle this the old-fashioned way. <laughs> right, right. You can't do that. Well, nobody should do that, right? But uh, right. sometimes you overreact because your heart's not right. Hmm. Getting your heart right sounds right to me as well. So um, we are we are talking about judgment and mercy here on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau. Well, Father... Um, 
I think we we should take take a good uh, remainder of the portion of the remainder of the show to talk about mercy as well. Now we we define judgment, but um, how and where do we see the mercy of God fleshed out in our day to day lives? Yeah, there was a question that just said, "What is mercy?" And I thought, "Oh my gosh, that's enough for a lifetime." There, that uh, mm-hmm. each of us has some sense of of what it is to be merciful. It's not to turn a blind eye. It's not to pretend it didn't happen. It's not to just, oh, well, we won't talk about it, and then I'll just forget about it, and life goes on. That's not mercy. Uh, but somebody told me this story recently, a true story about, um, say, Margaret Mary Alico, and she was trying to find a spiritual director, and finally she came upon this Father Claude La Colombière, who was a Jesuit, and uh, she admitted that, you know, Jesus has been appearing to me. This was the sacred heart of Jesus devotion came from, and she said, um, you know, so would you consent to be my spiritual director? And he's, you know, I mean, when somebody has those kind of uh, supernatural experiences, it's a little intimidating, but he said, I'll be your spiritual director, uh, but one, you know, request, uh, one stipulation that next time Jesus talks to you, you ask him, what's the last mortal sin I confessed? And mm, so right. she, you know, Jesus appears to her, and he said, you know, she's happy, the Lord, I've got a spiritual director, but he wants you to tell me, What's the last mortal sin that he confessed? And Jesus looks her straight in the eye and says, I don't remember. Mm. And that's what confession, that's how powerful the sacrament is. That, that's something about mercy, that God, the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world, if we let him. And so mercy is trust, it's courage, it's honesty, it's healing, it's compassion. It's the highest expression of love. And that's what we see in the Lord's heart, pierced by a a sword. The blood and water that pours forth is for the salvation of the world, and that's his mercy. It cost him everything. I mean, this isn't free. This this is the demand of of love. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a grain of wheat. So if we're going to be merciful, we're going to suffer. We're going to experience things that really hurt. And we're not allowed to respond to that hurt with the same sort of aggression or, you know, like, you live by the sword, die by the sword. The lex talionis, that the, you know, that nigh for nigh, tooth for tooth. No, I mean we're going to have to turn the other cheek, pray for our enemies, uh, you know, love our, uh, pray for our persecutors, love our enemies. So these are things that I just look at the stations of the cross, and year after year, I say, Lord, I still have so far, so many miles. I have not even. There's no way that I'll ever be able to do that. But Lord, the flip side is you can do it, and uh, yeah. and you'll have to. Help me, you'll have to do it in me, and sometimes in spite of me. And the saints are evidence that that happens, not by accident. You know, people yeah. that, that that's mercy. Uh, that we meditate on those 14 points year after year so that we can see how do you respond to a fallen world, a mean world, a, a world that's corrupt, a world that just seems to be worse now than it's ever been, which, of course, isn't true. We just have only been here a little while. How would we know? But... Um, Anyway, it's uh, these are the things that demand uh, a time that we spend with the Lord, so we can receive whatever He has to to offer, and of course, that's His um, His mercy. The Father forgive think, them, no matter what they do. I think one of the some of the most arresting stories that we hear, both in the Gospels um, with Jesus Himself, and then also throughout the lives of the saints, or even in our you know, local church right now are the stories where someone acted with with meekness, with mercy, with humility, with love, um, but not 
unpowerfully uh, this uh, way that they uh, that they responded to something that was done against them and they responded mercifully perhaps if you have a story of how you have responded mercifully in a situation where it seemed to merit a different response but yet God moved in and through you in some way to show mercy give us a call join the conversation triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine judgment and mercy is our theme here on the inner life today and we're going to take another short break but we'll be back right after this this hour is sponsored by saint gregory recovery center helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life information at relevantradio.com slash gregory that's relevantradio.com slash gregory Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Kevin Conroy, who's fielding the phone calls today. Our spiritual director is Father Sam Martin from the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, as we're speaking about judgment and mercy. And we just started a little discussion about mercy before the break there, Father. One of the things that frequently comes up, I think, when people are considering how to be merciful is that they, we get afraid that we're going to be taken advantage of. If we show mercy, then others are going to just walk all over us. Um, what is the response to that? Are we going to be taken advantage of? And if so, is that something that the Lord is actually inviting us to do? Seems to be. I think of the uh, you know Pope Gregory the Seventh, and he... Uh... As a wily emperor that was always, uh, he was more of a politician than anything, you know, in terms of the, the most negative connotation of that word, a little bit of a chameleon. And uh, so the Pope reprimanded him and uh, put him under interdict or whatever. So this guy, uh, Henry IV, shows up outside his castle in the snow, and he's kneeling out there, and he's uh, putting on a good show that he's really repentant. And all the advisors around the Pope said, do not, no, don't, don't, don't go for this. I mean, he is a wolf in sheep's clothing if ever there was one. But the Pope said, we have no choice. And we're always to err on the side of charity. And the charity of God is uh, to forgive sinners. It says that Jesus, you know, he loved us while we were still sinning. Well, you know, that's one thing to love people that have repented, but to forgive people that are not, not even sorry yet, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. But it shows that God's ways are not our ways. And so the Pope went on out and uh, accepted this guy's you know, it would turn out to be a show after all, because a few years later he put the Pope in exile. So uh, Gregory VII's famous words at the end, I can't remember exactly verbatim, but, you know, uh, having, having been merciful, I die in exile. I die, you know, away from, uh, from Rome and whatever. So these are the things that um, indicate that it, that Pope, incidentally, is canonized saint, uh, Gregory VII. And so we, we have to err on the side of charity, uh, even if it's not received according to the mode that it's been given. And we can see as a, you know, another little illustration of it is at Calvary, that, you know, right. Jesus is, uh, he would have gladly saved both of them and forgiven both of them. In fact, in a way he had, he'd forgiven all of humanity that day on the cross. Those last words of forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, but uh, one receives it and with a humble, contrite heart, and the other just scoffs at it and says, you know, I mean, save yourself, save us, you know, get us down from here. Uh, and so I think that I don't, there's just not a season not to be merciful, and somebody might take it for granted. They may abuse it, of course. I mean, this is a, a constant problem, and then we, we don't really, uh, we don't live the way the Lord lived. I mean, he's not a reactor. He's got a plan. He puts his 
hand of the plow. He doesn't look back. He sets his face like Flynn. He's going to Jerusalem. I mean, he's not cowed or he's not threatened by the fact that, uh, you know, he tells Pontius Pilate, you'd have no authority if it wasn't given from heaven. Uh, and, you know, my kingdom is not of this world, but I am a king, and I'm going to live the way that I have taught my disciples. And they're going to do the same. And so, uh, in the end, they just couldn't kill them all. I mean, this is what took down the Roman emperors. Uh, uh, he just couldn't understand. I mean, we re- lead these people in, and we tell them that, you know, you just renounce your religion, and, and they wouldn't. And then they die forgiven the people that have you know, I mean, wrongfully accused them and condemned them. And this had such an impact on the people watching it that pretty soon, and that's what the word martyr means, is a witness. A witness of what? That mercy wins. What well, doesn't look like it's winning. They just killed them. Uh, they died in, with joy and peace, yeah. believing that their sacrifice would atone for other people's sins somehow. It was united to the sacrifice of the unblemished lamb, who claimed to be God's only son, the Messiah that he sent and he promised from the beginning of time. And so, well, mercy took down the Roman Empire, and uh, it, it's slow. Yeah, I know. It's uh, like Thomas More. I mean, they, even his own daughter kind of was trying to talk him out of his witness. Like, well, why, Dad? Just tell him what they want to hear, and you can just keep your conscience to yourself. And he said, I can't. I mean, whatever my conscience is, it's who I am. If I give that away, who will I be? So he... Uh, he, you know, I die the king's good servant, but God's first. He died a, a merciful death that he, he never judged the king or renounced or denounced him, but he couldn't go along with him. And so uh, it was a merciful death. I mean, he, he had no ill will for the king. And many of those English martyrs, same thing, you know, that uh, I've prayed for the queen and I always uh, beg God to give her the grace of conversion. I have no ill will for her. I forgive her for whatever sins she's committed against me. Well, this is mercy. And uh, he'd say, well, it didn't work out for them. Okay, well, you know, they, they were killed. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing about faith, is that it says, oh, no. No, no, that was, uh, we call that their birthday. And that's typically their feast day, the day yeah. that they were born yeah. again. And uh, all things were, you know, made new. Amen to that. So, Father, I'm just maybe there is a time when uh, you are a listener. You maybe you've you've experienced mercy uh, in a profound way from another person. Maybe you have uh, had the opportunity to show mercy in a profound way to another person, and that was received well. Our number here at the Inner Life is eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. If you'd like to share that story, you can also email us at innerlife at relevantradio Father, in uh, the the last part of the show here, one of the things that strikes me, too, is when we're talking about judgment and mercy and that sort of thing, um, one of the things that the Lord might be prompting in us is to pray prayers of reparation, reparation um, for people who in our families, people in our communities, people in our parishes. I'm thinking here perhaps of Isaiah 6 and Isaiah's great call when when he says, woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Can you maybe just talk a little bit about what's involved in praying prayers of reparation for sins that may go beyond our own personal sins? This is clearly the uh, the message at Fatima, that the Blessed Virgin Mary, the three children, that they could, uh, you know, a little acts of penance for sinners that were not repentant. And, you know, this is a, a very beautiful alignment with Christ, who... Uh, came among his own, and his own knew him not. So he's a man of, uh, of many sorrows. He's rejected. He's obviously the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 and, and all the other prophecies. So, and if we're going to be like him, then we're going to experience that. He said that in the world you will have trouble, but do not fear. 
I've overcome the world. And how does he do it? By his prayer, by his sacrifice, by uniting his heart with his Father's will, that let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. So there are many ways that we can do that. And I think there are many times that we, our family and friends that are not practicing their faith, and that weighs on us. I mean, I think that's the great sorrow. They say it's probably the most frequently requested uh, you know, prayer is that for my family, for the people that are uh, you know, that I love that are no longer coming to Mass, receiving the sacraments, living objectively in a state of, outside the state of grace. And, uh, but I wonder if sometimes God, you know, He permits these things because He gave us freedom, and people are going to make bad choices. We have too. But maybe you know, it's, it's more for us than it is for them that these are the things that we're supposed to pray. It's supposed to bring us to the church, supposed to get us on our knees, that maybe the people in my family that I thought I was helping them, that they were really helping me to, to imitate our Lord, that he came for his people. Save us. Uh, save yourself, they say. And he, that's not, that wasn't his mandate. It wasn't to save himself. It was to save us. He was a God for others, always intent on others, not for himself, uh, but to give glory to his Father and to love the people that God had and having loved his own in the world, he loved them till the end. And he says, Father, I lost not one of those that you entrusted to my care. Well, whatever reparation is, it's the life of our Lord. It's the life of faith. It's the life of charity. And finally, it comes out in a very merciful way. And I think those stations of the cross, the Lenten practices, maybe really help us to, to engage that. That, you know, it's the old Christopher movement. Better, rather than to curse the darkness, light a candle. I mean, we're always complaining right. about our leaders, complaining about the fallen world. Well, when's the last time you... You made a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. When's the last time you, you know, said a rosary? Or the, it took some moment of silence and, and maybe the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Or what are the things that you do to try to sanctify the pain of this world and the suffering that seems so ubiquitous and overwhelms us? Because God chose the, the terrible ignominy of the cross, the, the worst thing, and now it's become the holiest thing, the wood of the cross that, uh, you know, bears our salvation and our Savior, and we're going to kiss that cross soon and venerate it because um, the greatest act of reparation that was ever accomplished is that Good Friday afternoon. And anything that aligns us with that is preparation for heaven, which doesn't come too long after Good Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a couple minutes remaining here, Father, but I did, want to, I did want to make this observation. It seems like, too, when we engage in praying prayers of reparation, when we when we are offering a particular devotion um, for the, uh, perhaps it's our family, a society in which we live, maybe there's specific people we have in mind, it seems like that kind of moves us more deeply into Christ's love and Christ's mercy as well. Would you, would you say that that's the case? There's no doubt because it just is a change of heart. I mean, it's the same world. It's just our way of seeing it, our way of responding to it, our way of, of loving it. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It's easy to judge this world and to condemn it. <laughs> you know, right. you can find 10,000 reasons any day to do that. But to love this world, <laughs> now you're going to have to practice your faith. Now you're going to have to ask for you know, divine grace that will change your heart because loving this world and loving the people in it is a very difficult thing. It'd be impossible for us if we're honest. You know, it's easy to say, talk is cheap, but to go out there and really to respond to people in their brokenness and sometimes their meanness, their narrowness, and all the you know, division that's fomented by the devil and so forth. To love this world, are you crazy? I mean, it's just like, get me out of here. But that <laughs> would not be the incarnation. That The incarnation is, let me go down there, Father. It's, it's time. The fullness of time, he enters his world because Mary said yes, 
and we are all better for it forever. I mean, the world has changed forever. I know people say, well, what good? It, it doesn't seem like anything's different. You go and you pray, and you don't seem any different to me. Well, I know that's a fair assessment. But what yeah. you can't see, God can, and it's working. It just takes a lot of time, and it is a lot of work, and it is very humbling, and none of us are very good at it. But in the end, we'll say, Lord, you did it for me. I mean, I was trying, you know, uh, but it was your gift to me. And why did God give it? Because he found somebody that was ready and able to receive it. That's it. So with God's help, the grace he gives, that could be any one of us. Yeah, indeed. Going forth to bear fruit and fruit that will last. We're going to need some blessings along the way if that's what we're called to, Father. So if we may, may we have your blessing, please. May God bless, guide, protect, and convert every heart listening today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin from the Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, has been our spiritual director today. Thank you, Father Martin, for that. And if you are going to pray some prayers of reparation, what better way to do it than joining in the Family Rosary Across America tonight at 7 p.m. Central right here on Relevant Radio. If you've missed anything, you can check out the show notes. And, uh, yeah, until next time, grace and peace.